0: And welcome back inside the home office and welcome to this week's brand new edition of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. I'm Craig D'Amico. Coming up on today's show, we will look ahead to this week's Friday night schedule. We'll pick out the top stars of the week. We'll talk to the NEC's leading scorer, Central Connecticut State's Samora Watson. We'll be stopping by. All that and more coming up. But first, let's get you caught up to speed on this week's top headlines. We start with our three-point shot. And headline number one, we start... At the very tippy top of the NEC standings where Sacred Heart and LeMoyne have resided for basically the entire season. Sacred Heart. Got off to a 3-0 start this year. LeMoyne was 2-0 in conference play before LeMoyne upset the Pioneers 60-56 to in Fairfield back on January the 15th. LeMoyne would then have sole possession of first place. Up one game on Sacred Heart until St. Francis handed the Dolphins their first setback 55-52 in Loretto a couple weekends ago. Putting both teams back into deadlock with one conference loss apiece. So, both teams kept winning these last couple of weeks including last Thursday night when Sacred Heart took down Stonehill 80 to 53 and Lemoyne won by double digits at home against Wagner, setting up a first place showdown last Saturday in Syracuse with each team coming in 7 and 1. In conference play, Sacred Heart, obviously, with a lot more to lose in this game because they had already dropped the first meeting to LeMoyne. So if they had lost this one, they would have been swept in the season series. That would have been huge for tiebreaker purposes. So knowing that, the Pioneers pounced early. They outscored Lemoyne 17 to 6 in the first quarter, 24 to 8 in the second quarter, shooting over 50% from the floor in both quarters. The Dolphins, on the other hand, shot a combined 6 for 28. That's a 214 percentage and 0 for 9 from behind the arc in the first half. Sacred Heart used an 18-0 run, which stretched from late in the first quarter, crossing over into the second quarter to really put things out of reach. They had a season-best 27-point lead at halftime, 41-14. to 14. Sacred Heart would go on to lead by as many as 37. LeMoyne, they went on a run late in the fourth quarter, but the game was already pretty much decided. Sacred Heart would win it rather convincingly. to The Pioneers certainly sending a message to LeMoyne and the rest of the NEC after falling to the Dolphins the first time, they came back and answered the bell big time in the rematch. Sacred Heart, their average margin of victory these last five games on a current five-game win streak. Since that loss to LeMoyne, Sacred Heart in the last five games is winning by an average of 19.4 points per game. So that loss back on January the 15th, May have ticked them off a little bit uh, because they've been playing, uh, you know, like 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 nobody's business these last couple games. uh, Certainly looking like the champions that they were finishing last season, and they hope to be again this season. So Jada Bonner led the way with a career-high six three-point baskets, 18 points on the afternoon against the dolphins and I see her prior doing I see her Prior things 17 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists filling out a bunch of different columns in the stat sheet. Olivia Tucker chipped in 15 points. She had three triples and Latoya Baker led the way for Lemoyne with 20 points for the Dolphins. So Sacred Heart now as it stands at the moment one game up on the one in the standings at eight and one, seven games still to go. The Pioneers are set to win their first NEC women's basketball regular season title since 2016. At least that's the goal. A win this week in their lone conference or their lone contest against Central Connecticut would be a first step towards accomplishing that goal of a regular season title. It would put Sacred Heart in position to clinch at least a first round home playoff game at the Pitt Center by the end of next weekend so the pioneers on a roll winning five in a row by an average of 19 points per game and defeating the team that they were tied with in the standings from the top spot rather convincingly in the rematch this past weekend. We'll see if these two teams will get a chance to meet for a third time this year come March. That remains to be seen. Let's go to headline number two. Last Thursday night, myself, Pam Roker, we were on the call in Brooklyn for FDU-LIU on ESPN+. Plus. FDU hadn't won a road game all season. They came in at 0-10 away from home, and they got off to a slow start. Uh, on these unfriendly rims. They were shot four for 18, 0 for 7 from three-point land in the first quarter. And not only were they missing, they were missing by a lot. It it really was not pretty. LIU, they would lead by as many as eight in the first half, but Lily Park finally got a rhythm, finally made a three with 38 seconds left. And despite the shooting woes, FDU actually had a lead that they would take into halftime, 28-27. It was their first lead of the game, and they would take that, into intermission and they would carry the momentum into the second half go on to lead by as many as 13 points 50 to 37 with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter but similar to the game against central connecticut from a couple weeks ago when fdu was up nine with just over a minute to go and central was able to fight back and force overtime FDU kind of let their opponents get back into it. The Sharks went on a 13-0 run to tie the game at 50 by the middle of the fourth quarter. The key shot was in the final minute. LIU is up to Abigail Babori drilled a three to put the Knights up for good. Ashley Austin missed a three at the buzzer for LIU, and FDU would win it 59-56, their first road win, and they would hold on to sole possession of a top-three spot in the standings LIU they came in one game behind the Knights. so LIU if they had won, they would have tied FDU in the standings for a top four spot but FDU able to find a way to get it done they uh, again like that central game FDU had to win it twice they overcame a slow start built the commanding lead saw it completely disappear and overcame all those obstacles and found a way to win it in the end FDU's defense forced 17 turnovers. Their defense was their calling card, still is. It led to 19 points. LIU only shot one for nine from behind the arc for the game. And Lily Park, despite those early shooting woes, she ended up leading all scorers with 13 points. Abby Conklin and Abigail Babori each had 12. So FDU was off on Saturday. They had a week to get ready for Wagner, which is coming up on ESPNU Friday night. LIU on the other. Not only did they have to come back and play Saturday, a five-point loss to the Red Flash, despite Amaya Dowdy's monster game of 25.16 rebounds, but then they also had to come back two days later and play on Monday, a non-conference for now game uh, against Chicago State. They went out to Chicago State. If you remember back at the beginning of January, now this was the return affair of the home and home series. Uh, Chicago State came to Brooklyn, and this one the Sharks were able to win 80-71, to Uh, Mariah Elohim scored a cry 30 points in that game as the Sharks sweep past the Panthers this season, getting ready to welcome in Chicago state to the league next year. But before we wrap up this headline again, myself, Pam Roker, we're on the call for this game, uh, especially in a game like this, that goes down to the wire, not decided until the final shot went off the iron at the buzzer. Uh, Don't always get to get in all the information, all these wonderful notes and nuggets and fun stories that uh, we collect during our preparation the week before the game, especially in a close game. When the game is the story, don't get a chance to tell all these wonderful facts. So on this show, I get a chance to come out here and share with you some of the behind the scenes stuff that you didn't get to hear during the ESPN plus broadcast last Thursday. For example, let's talk about season finishes for a second. LiU, here in February, this is their time of year. In 2020, they started the season 1-12. and 12. They finished the year winning 4 out of 7. 2021, they finished the year on a 4-game win streak. 2022, they started 0-14, but ended up winning 7 of their final 10 games. And in 2023, they won 4 of their final 5 games a year ago. So this is a team that finishes strong. And this, the fact that they've been able to build themselves into, you know, top four contenders in the standings. They had a chance to uh, get into the top four had they beaten FDU the other night. So uh, it, it's very interesting to see how this plays out. If LIU has another strong finish, which has been their custom since 2020, um, this is a team that could maybe do some damage come March. They were last in the the semifinals uh, a couple of years ago before Renie Haynes came in, the The tournament was at uh, the whole tournament was at Robert Morris that year. They made it to the semifinal round. They haven't reached that that plateau since. So we'll see. We'll see if LIU can finish strong this year, especially since they have a, a core of returning players from a year ago and are definitely starting to build some chemistry. How about this story? Coach Gately, we know that uh, she was longtime Fordham coach, uh, stepped away last year, coached at the high school game and actually led her ocean city team to a state championship. And she was telling us that she loved coaching high school last year. She loved the innocence of the group, it got her kind of back to her roots, gave her friends for a lifetime. If you remember her players were at her intro- introductory uh, press conference when she took the FDU job. Um, and, and so it's great to see her kind of recharge the batteries coming back into the college game. 10 wins shy of 700 for her career and again didn't get a chance to point this out during the broadcast but she's had success everywhere she's gone and she's managed to have success pretty quickly in richmond she was a 20 win coach and in second place by year three st joe's they went to the ncaa's by year three liu wnit year five monmouth wnit in year three Fordham, WNIT year two, NCAA tournament year three. So Coach Gately brings in young players just like she did this year. A lot of new faces with the FDU Knights, but able to develop them, coach them, Build chemistry, build a team, build depth, and eventually, really quickly, uh, manage to to win games and make it to you know NCAA postseason. So uh, we will see if that run of success continues here in our latest stop. And one last story: FDU started the year on the road at Iowa, a game that they lost one hundred two to forty six. But of course, you play Iowa, you get the whole Caitlin Clark experience. And Coach Gately was telling me what an experience it was to play against a generational talent. She's even better when you see her live. Uh, they got a chance to uh, shoot around, to get pictures taken with Caitlin Clark. I, I know it's a, you know new new generation. I don't know how many teams you know back in the '90s were you know lining up to get their pictures taken with and Noble during you know shoot arounds. But again, it's social media generation, completely different <laughs> different landscape. I get it. But uh, the one question I asked was, "All right, you're, you're you're practicing getting ready for that opener. Who simulated Caitlin Clark during your practice?" And Coach Gately said it was one of her assistant coaches. And now they go around calling him Caitlin Clark all the time. So uh, a new nickname as he attempted to uh, simulate Caitlin Clark during practice. Don't know how successful that simulation was. So those were some of the stories you didn't get to hear on Thursday night as FDU took down LIU in Brooklyn on ESPN plus. And finally, our third story. Here's how things stand. As we again are past the halfway point. We're in February sacred heart with their win over Lemoyne, The pioneers venture back into sole possession of first place at eight and one. They've won five in a row. The dolphins fall to one game back. They're seven and two, which is one and a half games ahead Of FDU, the Knights have won four of their last five under Coach Gately, and they sit at five and three. The battle for the number four spot, which is huge because, again, top four spots get a first-round home game in the NEC tournament come March. The battle for that number four spot has gotten pretty congested. You have Merrimack and Central Connecticut who split their head-to-head meetings this year. Both teams are four and five, and Wagner is a half game behind that at three and five. LIU and Stonehill are both three and six, and SFU follows at three and seven. Time now for the heat check, featuring the top three stars from this past weekend, the first full weekend of February. And we start at number three with a pair of Sacred Heart pioneers, Nycera Pryor and Sajada Bonner. The reigning player of the year is back on our top three list after averaging 16 and a half points, five and a half rebounds four assists, and three and a half steals in a pair of Pioneer wins over Stonehill and LeMoyne. Pretty convincing wins, uh, have, mind you. Uh, but her teammate, Jada Bonner, was just as impressive. Bonner scored 11 points on Thursday against the Skyhawks and then reached 18 points in a first-place battle with LeMoyne going 6-for-10 from three-point land. The six made three-point field goals were a single-game season high for Bonner. Our number two star of the week is Kendall Carruthers from the St. Francis Red Flash. The SFU freshman continues to impress. 16 points, six rebounds against Central Connecticut, and then 19 points, six assists two days later against the LIU Sharks. She leads all freshmen in scoring 13 per game and is currently a top five scorer in the league. But our number one star of the week is is Samora Watson of Central Connecticut State. The sophomore guard has had a dominant of two scoring games back-to-back, as we've seen in this league in quite some time. After 27 points and nine rebounds against SFU, she exploded for 37 points against the Merrimack Warriors. Third time this year, she's reached at least 35 points. And we talked about Caitlin Clark earlier uh, with playing the Knights earlier in non-conference play. Well, only Caitlin Clark has had more 35 point games this year than Watson, her 32 point per game. Average in the two games last weekend was sixth highest in all of D one. Watson has now jumped into the top spot in the league scoring average. She has 18.1 points per game. And keep this in mind. Central Connecticut has never had a player lead the league in scoring. They were close with Ashley Baruby a couple years ago, finishing .4 away from the scoring title. But now they have another contender to win, maybe win a scoring title and uh, rewrite the Central Connecticut State record book. Samora Watson, a banner week, our number one star, and she just so happens to be coming up right now as our special guest in this week's Open Mic. It's now time for the NEC Open, Mike, and our guest this week is the leading scorer in the Northeast Conference, averaging 18.1 points per game, and she's averaged 26.3 over her last four. It's sophomore guard from the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils, Samora Watson. Samora, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, it's good to catch up with you. Not that many defenses have been able to catch up with you as of late. It's been a lot of points. So how would you describe this run that, that you personally have been on these last couple of outings?
1: Um, I mean, it's just, it's been a growing experience because, you know, coming from East Carolina and coming here, it's my role change has been so different. So it's just the growth. I can just say I've been growing.
0: Awesome. I, I want to get into your your journey coming up in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about the team because currently tied for fourth place, four and five in league play. Now, back in October, the coaches tried to predict how the season was going to go and they kind of. Picked you guys to be last. So how much are you and your teammates kind of really enjoying proving a lot of those doubters wrong right now?
1: I mean, like you said, ever since October, it's just been a chip on our on our shoulder, and we've just been playing hard. I know we kind of started off a little rough, but I mean, hey, we're still growing as a team, and we're, we're going to prove y'all wrong.
0: And it seems like it's been like that, like a lot of growth as the season kind of has gone along. Your first year at the program, Coach Vini, her first year there. So what's kind of been the secret to success, do you think, here in, in year one?
1: Well, Coach Away, she is. Um, she's just an amazing coach. And you know, she keeps us together. We're a family. And we've just been growing as a family. That's what <laughs> I can say, that's has really been us. We're very much together on and off the court. We're we're sisters and it's just a sisterhood.
0: That that's awesome. And it definitely has been showing out there on the court. Um, and, and for you, you know, 38 points against New Hampshire, 35 against FDU, 37 this past weekend against Merrimack. Only Caitlin Clark and all of uh, Caitlin Clark and all of NCAA women's basketball has more 35 point games than you. So, how does that sound? Does that sound weird? Like, are you, like, are you impressed with yourself? Like that? That's kind of crazy, right?
1: Yes, I seen it earlier today, and I was like, nah, something's <laughs> got to be up. But that's what I was. I just couldn't believe it. But I mean, hey, it's just the work paying off. I mean, that's all I can say is paying off.
0: Now, can you tell, like, during pregame, like, are, can you tell that you're in for a big night? Because, you know, you had a game against Wagner that it seemed like very frustrating shooting that night. Did, did it feel any different that night versus any of those 35-point nights that I just mentioned?
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, before the game, I tried to get myself into a, a zone. And for the Wagner game, I just couldn't get in a couldn't get in a rhythm, you know. And I feel like when I was out of place, it's just it just wasn't good. OK, so, so for per game, I just try to get in a in a rhythm, in a good zone.
0: Now, now, let's talk about your journey for a second. Let's go way back to the beginning. So how was it? When was it that you kind of fell in love with the game of basketball out of all the all the possible sports?
1: Well, um, when I was younger, I never actually was interested in sports. Wow. Then I had a best friend and um, she asked me to play for her team in middle school, like seventh grade. Maybe even before that. And I was like, yeah, I'll play. And then all of a sudden I just loved how competitive it was. And then I started playing and I kept up with it in high school. I just loved it. And yeah, ever since um middle school, I just been kept going.
0: So how what was the journey to get you from, you know, Texas way back when and now here to Connecticut? You mentioned another stop along the way. So how'd you kind of find yourself to New Britain?
1: Yeah, I never would have thought I'd be in New Britain, <laughs> but I can't lie, I love it here. So Yeah, it's just um, Coach Wade. I had a connection with her. You know, I was being recruited to go to Temple University. But, you know, when things didn't work out, I went to ECU for my first year. And then after things didn't work out there, I found out that Coach Wade was coming here. And so I said, why not? Why not?
0: It looks like it's been a great fit so far. You know, Central Connecticut, they've never had a player lead the league at the end of the year in scoring. They had a co- player close a couple of years ago. Uh, so how cool would it be, you know, I'm sure that's not the number one goal, but to finish as the league's leading score and kind of get a, a little notch for your program, you know, that would kind of be, be neat, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going for it.
0: Okay. Now you're you're going to be playing, I guess, your top challenger for that scoring title. And I uh, see prior Sacred Heart coming up this weekend, the first of two games uh, still to come against Sacred Heart, the second half of the conference play. So uh, from what you've seen on tape, uh, what, what do you think might be a key or two for this game coming up on Friday night?
1: I think the main key is containing dribble penetration and boxing out. I think that's what we need to do to secure a nice win and staying together, obviously. So I think those are the keys. Ooh.
0: Okay. We, we, we can't wait to watch that play out. And, and we have the final five questions, these are quick hitters. So first thing that comes to mind, let it, let, let it out. All right. Yep. All right. Favorite snack or junk food. Ice cream. Okay. Favorite color. Black. Okay. Kansas city chiefs or San Francisco 49ers. Oh, 49ers. Okay. If we took a survey of your teammates, what character trait or adjective do you think they would use to describe you? Tough. Okay. That's, that's good to be known as tough. That's yeah. awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, and, and last one, what's the key for Central to keep things rolling and make a run for that championship this year?
1: Staying together and boxing out. Okay. All right. (laughs) Emphasis on the box out, but staying together, most important.
0: A little bit of intangibles, a little bit of X's and O's, so kind of merge them together. I like it. Uh, So our pleasure meeting you, getting a chance to chat with you today, and best of luck to you and the team the rest of the season.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Be sure to check out some more on the Blue Devils coming up Friday night, 7 p.m. on NEC Front Row as they take on the Sacred Heart Pioneers. And be sure to check out the full episode of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Glad to hear from Samora Watson. You heard it right from her, how Central Connecticut State kind of playing with the motivation of being picked last in the preseason poll. So for this week's Stat Chat, we want to take a closer look at when the coaches were the most incorrect with their preseason forecasting. Only four times in the last 10 years, from 2014 to 2023, has the team that was picked last actually finished last. So six out of the 10 times, the team picked last actually exceeded expectations. And the two teams that most exceeded the expectations, we go back to the Merrimack Warriors in 2019-2020, their first year in the league. They were picked dead last in the preseason poll, and they ended up finishing third. Now, remember, they were unable to participate in the conference tournament that year, and the tournament never got completed anyway, but that's another story. They were led by Dina Davis. Stuart Sticks was a double-double machine winning Player of the Year, again, soaring past the preseason expectations. But perhaps the biggest case of exceeded preseason expectations was in 2014-2015, a true worst-to-first story. Central Connecticut State themselves were picked in a tie for last place with FDU. They ended up finishing 14-4 and four and in a tie for first place. So picked tied for last, ended up tied for first. Central Connecticut was picked last this year for the third time in four seasons. And at the moment, they're in a running for a top four spot. So we'll have to wait and see how things play out. But again, there would be precedent, especially over the last decade, and especially with Central Connecticut State seed the 2015 season of proving preseason doubters wrong in a big, big way. That is this week's stat chat. Now, there's no love lost in the NEC. Valentine's Day is quickly approaching only one NEC women's basketball game day coming up this weekend, and it's on Friday night. Eight teams in action. St. Francis has a bye. They don't play again until next Thursday after Valentine's Day on uh, February 15th at Wagner. So there will be 12 games in between games for the Red Flash. But for the other eight teams, here's what's coming up on tap Friday night. We start with Stonehill. At LeMoyne, the Dolphins will be trying to bounce back from just their second conference loss. Last time they lost the league game, they came back next time out and beat Merrimack by seven and then LIU by 18 in the same weekend. It's the Dolphins' first NEC meeting against Stonehill, a team that they'll see twice in the next nine days. Stonehill did defeat LeMoyne in the 2020 Northeast 10 semifinals on their way to their last conference title in D2, but LeMoyne won the last regular season meeting, Again, these two teams back in the other league in January of 2022. LIU and Merrimack, another big battle coming up on Friday night. The Sharks, they got some momentum. They ended a four-game skid with a non-conference victory over future conference rival Chicago State at home on Monday afternoon 80 to 71 Mariah Elohim had 30 points. Ashley Austin added 26. It marked a season sweep of the Panthers after LIU had won back in the Windy City in early January. So now LIU is back in conference play against Merrimack. These two teams, they'll be playing each other twice over the next nine days. The Warriors have won four out of their last six, only two and one on their home court so far this year in conference. Cause only Three out of their first nine NEC games were at home. But of course, that means there's a lot of home court advantage coming up this second half of conference play for the Warriors. Starting with this game against LIU, they'll be starting a run of five of their final seven regular season games at Hamill Court. So Merrimack looking to use home court advantage to get home court advantage in the second half of the season and beyond. And by the way, in her last six games as a starter, Kaylee Thomas, Kiki averaging 15.5 points per game for the Warriors. And we have Central Connecticut State and Sacred Heart. The Connecticut State Collision, the first of two regular season meetings this year between the two interstate rivals. Sacred Heart has won nine out of the last ten meetings against the Blue Devils, and this game features the league's top two leading scorers. Samora Watson averaging 18.1 points per game. Nysera Pryor, the reigning player of the year, averaging 17.4 Points per game. Pryor will also be looking to make some more history in front of the home crowd as she enters the game with 986 career points, just 14 shy of 1,000. Sacred Heart has won five in a row and is looking to improve to 9 1. They didn't make it to 9 1 last year because after an 8 1 start in conference play, they lost their 10th conference game at Central Connecticut State. So a chance to rewrite the story. Here one year later, the Blue Devils are looking to even up their conference market five and five through 10 games. They are currently tied with Merrimack for a top four spot in the NEC standings. Central hasn't been 500 or better through 10 league games since 2017 when they were seven and three. But our feature game is Friday night, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Wagner visiting the FDU Knights. We talked earlier about FDU's big win at LIU last weekend on ESPN+. Plus, Their first road win of the year. Now they'll look to build on it. They've been off for the last week in the national TV spotlight once again against the Wagner team that they swept past last year and they've defeated seven out of the last nine times. FDU staple is defense. The values and the principles on defense haven't changed with the players, haven't changed with the new coach. That is still the same. And maybe that plays into the Knights advantage because Wagner has turned the ball over more than any other team in the league. Wagner averaging 21.3 turnovers per game in conference play. FDU is a top tier scoring defense and field goal percentage defense team. So perhaps advantage Knights. By the way, this game, huge playoff implications. FDU trying to keep hold of a top three spot in the standings. Wagner can get themselves in the mix with Merrimack, with Central for the number four seed because a win would get them to four and five in conference play. And again, right there in the thick of things in the middle of the NEC standing. So we'll see how it plays out Friday night, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. And that'll do it for this week's show. Enjoy the games on Friday night. And we'll see you right back here next week. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Women's Basketball on the Run.